Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The human experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The human experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The human experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. common questions that I get asked is how to eat for insert hormone condition here. Maybe you have irregular periods. Maybe you have estrogen dominance. Maybe you have low progesterone. Maybe you have hypothyroidism. Maybe you have Hashimoto's or hyperthyroidism or Graves. And maybe if we took a step back from these hormone disorders, maybe we would understand that we should start eating to simply nourish our bodies to support overall hormone balance and take the complexity away from each hormone condition. I love, absolutely love how Morley Robbins states this. There is no such thing as medical disease, only metabolic dysfunction. And he doesn't say this to offend anyone, but to simply give them hope that these conditions can be corrected. All of our cells are the same and They all need the same nutrients to function optimally. I know so many people that would disagree with that statement, but it is nothing but the truth. So today we're going to be talking about supporting ovulation, which releases the true feel-good hormone progesterone, because I talked about supporting cells, and that also includes the cells involved in reproductive health. And in case you missed it, there is a link in the description box to sign up for the weekly email that I send out on Mondays because in yesterday's email, I discussed estrogen dominance. Um, and when there's estrogen dominance present, that just means that there's not enough progesterone to oppose estrogen. And that can also mean that there's a thyroid issue present, poor liver and gallbladder health, etc. is all connected. And they lead to symptoms such as irregular periods or late periods, heavier painful bleeding, PMS, lack of period, etc. Um, and a whole list of other symptoms that I could get into um, as it relates to estrogen dominance. Um, But today we're just going to focus on period health and ovulation. Um, And estrogen dominance is a term that's been loosely thrown around in this space for quite some time. Um, When I entered the space in 2018, that's when I first heard about it. And it was like through a podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, but there's so much more involved in estrogen dominance. It's never just estrogen dominance, like I said. So you guys may have heard me say this, but your period is not the main event of your cycle. Ovulation is. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the possible reasons you're not ovulating, how you can confirm ovulation, and how to begin supporting ovulation if you're not Um, ovulating right now or how you can continue to support ovulation if you are ovulating right now. 
After all, you know that healthy ovulation is a critical piece to the fertility puzzle. And understanding if you're ovulating and some reasons why you're not ovulating potentially can give you some insight into your overall health and help you get pregnant faster if that is one of your goals. Just remember being fertile is a health marker whether or not you want to have a baby. That's what your body as a woman is trying to always do. So let's talk about why ovulation is important. First and foremost, you cannot get pregnant without ovulating. And without ovulation, there's no egg and conception just isn't possible. In fact, the quality of your ovulation is equally as important as the act of releasing the egg itself. And after ovulation occurs, the empty follicle from which the egg was released, also known as the corpus luteum, produces progesterone. And this hormone stabilizes the uterine lining and makes it sticky enough to allow for the best possible chance at conception. And a high quality ovulation occurs when progesterone rises post ovulation and estrogen decreases or supposed to decrease um, and remains adequately elevated for several days during the luteal phase. And without enough progesterone, ovulation is considered weak and it can be more difficult to become pregnant or sustain a healthy pregnancy. But ovulation isn't just important for when you want to have a baby, like I said. Ovulation is a major, major sign to overall health and gives you all of the benefits such as uh, good quality sleep, a good sex drive, a good appetite, um, good skin, uh, youthful aging, so many things, guys, that we all typically want as women. And it's proof that your endocrine system is well-balanced if you are ovulating. Um, however, there are cycles that occur without ovulation. These are called anovulatory cycles. Um, and this happens from time to time to women having regular periods. Um, and this is my case in particular because I was 25 years old. I was working with a functional medicine practitioner and she told me that she doesn't think that I could carry a baby right now if I wanted to, which was so heartbreaking because something that's always been on my mind and I've always wanted to do is become a mom. And hearing that, it felt I, I was distraught, not going to lie. Um, but I knew that my body was seriously just in a state of serious disease. Uh, I was uh, almost hypothyroid. I mean, like I, my TSH was really elevated. Um, what else? I had elevated cholesterol. I was anemic. I had B vitamin deficiencies. I, my vitamin D was thought to be low, even though it wasn't. Um, and I was put on vitamin D. I was put on iron supplements. I was put on prenatals. Like so many things that I would have done so differently. However, I'm grateful for that space. Um, I just don't think that mainstream functional medicine has all the answers. Um, so it's important to continue to do your research as everything is always changing as well. Um, but I've kind of just stepped away from that whole functional medicine space and have just have a different approach to things. Um, I love that I went through the root cause protocol and just have a good understanding of metabolic dysfunction. Um, so yeah, again, really grateful for that space, but cause I was actually listened to, I was heard. I wasn't rushed out of the doctor's office within five minutes. My doctors were so frustrated with me cause I always bring my list of questions to have an understanding of like, why is this happening? What's going on? Like, can we go deeper? Um, and that never was the case. Luckily I had a PCP who referred me to functional medicine. That kind of was just the starting point in my journey. Um, so yeah, that is 
essentially that. Um, when else does an ovulatory, uh, do an ovulatory cycles occur? Um, this may also signal an autoimmune condition, genetic condition, or nutritional disorders. However, like I said, just because you, um, just because you have these conditions doesn't mean that you're special. And I don't say that to offend anyone, but I'm just saying that that's just more of a message from your body that you just need some more support. And it's always, 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 always going to come back to those foundations. I don't care who you are. Um, yes, even those who have an MTHFR gene mutation, it's always going to come back down to eating real food, making sure the food is nutrient dense, um, making sure you're eating enough, making sure you're addressing your, your traumas and unresolved emotions, and making sure you have some flexibility in your life as well. Because I often see women who are so rigid in their protocols and are not seeing improvements because they're lacking joy, they're lacking humor, they're lacking grace. Um, so it really takes that well-rounded approach and understanding that your cells are all the same person to person, but also understanding that you're at different stages in your healing. So when someone says that plant-based or keto or whatever or Whole30 works for them, I'm like, no offense, but there's a reason for that. And um, if they were to jump into dairy consumption or something like that, they would probably feel like crap um, because they're so symptomatic after getting off of those symptom suppressing diets. Um, whereas someone else like me, for example, I don't really have too many symptoms. Um, and so I can tolerate a lot more things than the person who is just jumping into this journey. So when everyone says, what works for me might not work for you kind of thing. That is true to an extent. I think we all need to come back down to our foundational foods um, that are metabolically supportive and just known by nature. But at the same time, understanding that someone might not be able to tolerate dairy right now. Someone might not be able to tolerate all the fruits right now. That's why it's important to go slow when you're easing into uh, this way of eating. So Going back to ovulation, additionally, ovulation is triggered and controlled by our hormones. And a lack of ovulation might be a greater sign of a greater hormonal balance. And we know that a hormonal balance, hormonal balance is important for us because our hormones regulate all of our bodily functions and um, because minerals run enzymes and enzymes are hormones and they are essential for our health and our well-being. And if you suspect that you're not ovulating consistently, I would highly recommend working with a practitioner to help you reduce the stress of trying to figure out how to ovulate um, because you're trying to reduce stress in order to ovulate, if that makes sense. So let's get into the possible reasons of why you're potentially not ovulating. Uh, number one is going to be PCOS. If you don't know what PCOS is, it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it is by far the most common cause of anovulation. Although PCOS is a, um, a frequent endocrine disrupting dysfunction, uh, affecting up to 28% of women in their reproductive years. Um, and according to studies, most PCOS patients go um, years before being properly diagnosed. And women with PCOS often deal with abnormally high levels of androgens, which are male sex hormones, and that causes a hormonal imbalance that prevents them from ovulating. 
And we know that lack of ovulation means that there's going to be no progesterone present and low progesterone then leads to high estrogen levels because again, there's not enough to oppose estrogen and that might prevent ovulation from happening the next cycle. So I usually see women with PCOS in my practice who are overweight, underweight, at weight, um, are experiencing abnormal hair growth, maybe just long cycles um, from like above 35 days to all the way up to 60 something days. Um, they just never know when they're going to get their period. Um, and they also sometimes do ultrasounds with their physicians and they'll see follicles on their cysts, um, hirsutism, and just poor blood sugar regulation, honestly, as well. Number two would just be a hormone imbalance. It kind of just ties into PCOS. But in my case, I didn't have PCOS. I just had like low progesterone and elevated estrogen in, in relation to progesterone. Um, so we know that hormonal imbalances affect the balance between estrogen and progesterone. And therefore, that prevents ovulation from occurring. And when your body doesn't produce enough progesterone post-ovulation, this may lead to estrogen dominance. And estrogen excess may act as a natural form of birth control, preventing ovulation from occurring. Number three are going to be NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, as the name states. And these are anti-inflammatories, and when used regularly, they may prevent ovulation from happening. Why? This is because ovulation is similar to an inflammatory response in the body. In fact, many fertility clinics use NSAIDs as luteinizing hormone blockers during ovulation induction treatments to make sure the patient isn't going to ovulate before the follicles are mature. And if you are concerned about NSAIDs, we recommend um, consulting with your doctor or physician or practitioner or someone who is well-versed in aspirin use. Um, for example, if you want to search the Ray Peak community and forums, um, his website and blogs, someone I would recommend looking at or looking into is uh, Meg Langston and Noelle Covery. Um, Meg used aspirin to become pregnant. I think she's still using it um, as she is pregnant. And Noelle Covery uh, uses aspirin daily, I think still, as she breastfeeds her son um, to reduce the prostaglandin levels in her breast milk. And lastly, stress. Stress. <laughs> You guys hear me talk about stress so often, but it really is that simple, although it feels so complex. Uh, we're constantly chasing symptoms and, you know, choosing XYZ supplement for XYZ symptoms. But any lab test I see, any client that I see, I'm going to ask them about their stressors. What is going on in their life, emotionally, physically, chemically, electromagnetically, um, in order to have a good idea of like how I can support their bodies and make them more resilient to these stressors. There are some things that have to be on our plate. I work with plenty of moms. They have children. They, you know, life is stressful. Um, if someone is commuting to work right now, like sitting in traffic, that can be stressful. Um, it's also going to require us to really take a step back and look at our life um, and understand if everything that is causing us stress right now have to, has to be on our plate. Are we in a toxic marriage? Are we in a toxic relationship? Are we doing stuff in our life that doesn't fulfill us? Things like that. 
they really need to be looked at when you want to heal your physical symptoms because I've always seen, maybe not always, but in the most recent years, I have seen physical symptoms uh, are, they're just emotional manifestations, essentially. Um, And stress management is certainly easier said than done. Um, But I think when we have a good response to stress or perception of stress, I think overall our symptoms will dissipate. However, when we harbor stress for a long period of time, it might impact our endocrine system and that causes a hormone imbalance. And when we're stressed, our bodies produce cortisol, which is a stress hormone that heightens our fight or flight response to help us appropriately act when in danger. And chronic stress leads to a prolonged elevation of cortisol levels, which in turn can lower the levels of your reproductive hormones because both cortisol and progesterone are made from cholesterol. And when your body senses danger, for example, high amounts of stress or running away from a saber-toothed tiger, it really does not understand the difference. Um, It will prioritize production of cortisol over the production of progesterone. Um, to survive. (laughs) That's what our bodies are designed to do. Um, And as you can imagine, that does affect the hormonal cascade that is supposed to take place. And as previously previously mentioned, low levels of progesterone can lead to higher levels of estrogen, which can inhibit ovulation. So how can the body make a baby if it doesn't feel safe to carry a baby? So let's get into the ways you can tell if you are ovulating. There are several ways you can confirm ovulation, um, and these are some of my favorites. First and foremost, basal body temperature tracking. BBT tracking is a simple and inexpensive technique that I recommend all women tap into. It involves monitoring your basal body temperature, aka your lowest resting body temperature, in order to detect hormonal changes during your cycle. And right before ovulation, your BBT should dip. Then after ovulation, it should rise and remain elevated during the luteal phase because this indicates progesterone is present and progesterone warms the body. We love progesterone. And this method only works if you start tracking your temperature on cycle day one and continue to track track religiously every day when you wake up before getting out of bed and without moving around too much. And you may find you need to track BBT for a few cycles before being able to detect a pattern. And one of the downsides of BBT is that our body temperature is easily influenced by many factors such as room temperature, sickness, alcohol consumption, smoking, or even cuddling overnight. Um, And BBT also does not measure your hormones. It gives no insight into ovulation quality. So that's just something to remember. Number two, serum progesterone blood test. Your serum progesterone is usually tested on cycle day 21, or it should be. Um, If not, be sure to educate your doctor, physician, whoever is running the test, um, which is about seven days post-ovulation when progesterone should be elevated. However, serum progesterone testing on day seven past ovulation might be more accurate than cycle day 21 because this is not... Uh, going to happen for every woman. Not every woman uh, ovulates on cycle day 14, meaning seven days post-ovulation could fall before or after cycle day 21. And a normal cycle may last anywhere from 21 to 35 days. And another issue with serum progesterone testing is that progesterone is released into the bloodstream in periodic pulses. Um, so because of this, progesterone levels are known to fluctuate up to eightfold during a 90-minute period, and one single value can give you incomplete results about your progesterone levels. It's, 
again, something to remember. And the only way to understand your progesterone levels and ovulation quality over time is by getting several blood draws over the course of your luteal phase. And still, if you want to make sure an egg was released, a single blood level over 5 NG slash milliliters should be able to confirm that. Lastly, prove PDG testing. This is something that I'm just tapping into. They measure PDG, the urine metabolite of progesterone, and once it circulates through your blood, uh, progesterone is metabolized through your liver and gets excreted in urine, and science shows that PDG levels tested first thing in the morning um, in your urine can correlate with blood levels and show more of an average of your progesterone levels in the blood from the previous 24 hours. And the proof PDG testing protocol recommends testing um, during four days of your cycle, starting day seven past peak, with peak being the day of your first positive luteinizing hormone test and continuing daily through 10 days post peak. Um, so that's day seven through day 10, four days of your cycle. Um, and this is in comparison to a single progesterone blood test. Uh, prove tests will not only confirm ovulation, but they will give you insight into the overall quality of your ovulation. Again, this is just something I'm tapping into. Um, I haven't done it yet. I will be trying it out this week. Um, so I will keep you guys posted on my experiment with prove. And a high quality or successful ovulation refers to an ovulatory event in which a, an egg is released and PDG levels remain adequately elevated for uh, long enough to allow the best possible chance at conception. Weak ovulation occurs when not enough PDG is produced after ovulation and can make it more difficult to get pregnant or again, sustain a healthy pregnancy. And while a single positive PDG confirms ovulation, I like to see three to four positive proved PDG tests with a positive result on 10 days post-peak to confirm that ovulation was successful. Anything less than this still might indicate weak ovulation, which is okay. It's just data and insight, which can make it more difficult to successfully conceive. Um, and give us all the yummy benefits of progesterone if you're not trying to conceive. So confirming ovulation is one of the one of the first and most important steps of your TTC journey. So how can you begin supporting ovulation? <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but these are the steps that I will always, always come back down to. Again, they're foundational. Reducing stress, which also includes sleeping enough, uh, keeping blood sugar stable, um, what else? Making sure that you have a healthy perception of yourself and, and life. And um, going back to stress, sleep, this is easily one of the best ways that you can begin reducing stress. Stress, Like I think this is like one of the places to start um, because this will improve your response to stress that day and allow your body to recover. So it's important to set up a bedtime ritual, including a bedtime snack to keep blood sugar stable all night long and go to sleep at the same time every single night and try not to bombard your eyeballs with blue lake before bed, which is another stress. Also consider not doing crazy ex intense exercise that releases stress hormones like crazy. Um, and try working out in the morning rather than the evening to follow that innate circadian rhythm. 
Number two, sunlight and or red light therapy. We always prefer sunlight, but I know some of those who live in the eastern, northeastern climates don't get enough sun, um, or if you live in Alaska, um, things like that. I understand there are like environmental factors that need to be taken into consideration. Red light is simply an accessory for me. It's just a supplement, essentially. If I'm not getting sunlight, if it's cold and rainy out or there's no sun that day, I will use my red light lamp. Um, but now that it's summer, I do step out every single morning, preferably in the morning, um, with my dogs and take them on a 45 minute walk. Um, but try to get at least 20 minutes of sunlight daily as it makes a big difference for our hormones. And we know that our hormones are influenced by light and our ability to make progesterone. Number three, make sure you're eating enough because in order to fuel those ovarian cells, you need to be intaking fuel. And if you're not fueling well and frequently, the thyroid and your adrenals often pick up the, the remnants of not eating enough. They, they pick up the slack, if you will. And if stress hormones are high, we're burning through nutrients fairly quickly. And it's not a time to uh, start restricting these nutrients. And that means not cutting carbs, fats, or protein. Lastly, making sure that the food you're eating is not only enough, but making sure that it's nutrient dense, making sure that your food contains minerals like sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, uh, zinc, copper, iodine, vitamin C. Um, these are all found in nutrient dense foods. Um, and uh, some examples would be like dairy, shellfish, ruminant meats, eggs, broths, high-quality saturated fats, which also give you yummy fat-soluble vitamins. Um, remember that your body wants to ovulate. So remember that. Don't try to suppress it. And give your body exactly what it needs in order to ovulate. So if you're wanting more dates on how to support ovulation, just getting to know your cycle a little bit more. If you're someone who's really, really struggling with your period and that's one of your main symptoms, um, your cycle is short or it's really, really long or you're just feeling it's not where it should be. You have a lot of PMS, acne, uh, headaches, just feeling off. Uh, I will be discussing how to repair your cycle more in depth in my upcoming launch of my mini course, Period Restoration. And there is actually a link in the description box to get on the wait list. So um, start there. And if you're just wanting to learn more about female hormones in the meantime, I would highly, highly recommend checking out books like Taking Charge of Your Fertility um, by Tony Weschler, The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Hendrickson Jack, Period Repair Manual by Dr. Lara Bryden, The PMS Bible by Dr. Katerina Dalton, and Once a Month by Dr. Katerina Dalton. And as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you found it helpful, if it was informative, please feel free to share um, this episode with your friends and family members or those who really need it. Feel free to take a screenshot and tag me in it. I love it. Always makes my day when you guys share feedback. Um, means a lot to me. And what would also help the podcast a lot is if you left a five-star review, a rating, if it resonated with you. Until next time, guys. Bye. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about the Nourish Method yet, have you been living underneath a rock? 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I want to chat about it with you some more today though, um, because the Nourish Method is my baby and I want you to know about it. So the Nourish Method is my 12 module online passive course, which helps women terminate their digestive issues and balance their hormones all by restoring their metabolism. So inside of my online course, you will get access to the following. 12 modules teaching you and how to begin nourishing your body and the why behind everything so that you have a better understanding on how to nourish. You will also get access to an exclusive Facebook community so you can get advice and support from myself and other like-minded women. I also go live inside of that private Facebook community every other week, answering your questions so that you feel supported. You will also get access to a discounted pro-metabolic meal plan by Fallon Danae, a downloadable 10-week strength training program by Adina Rubin, an EFT tapping session with Teresa Piella, a fertility awareness lesson with Nina Boyce, a supplement guide, a metabolic checklist, a temps and pulses guide, a grocery guide, a recipe book, non-toxic brand recommendations, and so much more. You guys, I am ecstatic about this online program and you should be too. The ladies inside of the Nourish Method are already experiencing the magic of better periods, less bloat, quality sleep, and happier moods. So if you want the same thing, you can head to the link in the show notes and sign up today and I'll see you inside. <laughs>